comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Everybody and welcome to episode 115 of the Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined tonight by Aaron Newworth and Jim Dietz. How's everybody doing? Doing well. Welcome to Tasha Yar's barbecue and garden party. <laughs> all you can eat, all you can eat, all you can eat. All you can eat. Claimed. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're going to be talking about episode 415 of The Walking Dead, Us, or US, we can get into that later, and uh, we got a voicemail, we're going to talk sponsor, we got all kinds of stuff, so let's get right into it, and why don't we start with a voicemail we got before this week's episode played. What do you say, gentlemen? Claimed. <laughs> oh man, well, now we're all I can't listen, listen to, to it. it, he claimed exactly. it. <laughs> <sighs> so frustrating. Well... How about this, Aaron? I chopped the voicemail in half because it has two questions. So why don't we listen to the first half now and the second half later? Solomon rules. All right. I'll go go with it. (laughs) All righty. Hey, guys. Craig DeMonda here, also from Jersey. Hey, what's up, Jordan? And guys, uh, listen, I wanted to first leave this voicemail. I've been threatening to do so for many weeks now, and I'm finally doing it. Uh, But before I get started, I want to thank... All of you involved in the HHWLOD Walking Dead podcast, all the guys that make this possible every week, it is really enjoyable to listen to. You guys come prepared, and the show is really well put together and edited, and I know it's not easy to make a show like that, so I want to thank you on behalf of all the fans that may not be involved in the Facebook page or may not have the guts to leave a voicemail, so I'm speaking on behalf of everybody. Thanks, guys. Okay, but I do have a bone to pick with you. (laughs) I think you have all been a little lenient on the producers and on the show for the second half of the season. This character stuff is moving really, really slow. And I am with you all. I was excited when I heard that Scott Gimple was going to be the executive producer. I said, this is great. He wrote some good episodes. I think 18 Miles Out he was part of, Clear. I said, this is perfect. But when you take a whole season and... Rick isn't even a part of maybe a third or even more of an entire season, and you have these smaller character-driven stories, it's not so great. The episode Clear worked because it was mixed in as kind of a break from this intense plot-driven action that happened in the third season, so it worked. You make a whole season of just these smaller, clear-like stories, and I don't think it's working so much. Don't get me wrong. I still love the show, but I think your ratings have been a little high on these episodes. You all seem to enjoy them, and I do too. I mean, I, you can see my Buster ratings every week on the Facebook page. I've been giving in the mid to high threes, and I think mainly because of the acting. 
not because of the writing, not because of the story. The actors are just really in their game right now. They are they are living these characters. They are inhabiting these characters, and it shows. So they're they're elevating bad scripts, or at least weaker scripts. So that's my only bone to pick with you guys. Well, first off, thank you for the voicemail, Craig, and we'll get to the second half after we answer this question. Aaron, as the person who I would say rates the episodes the lowest out of this half season... Do you want to start or do you want to wait till the end? I agree with Craig's statements to a point just because I have been rating the episodes on a lower scale, I guess, than you guys. Of course, it's all subjective. I mean, so overall, it doesn't necessarily matter. And it's, you know, a number as opposed to our words that we're using to explain why we like or dislike said things about episodes. But with that said, I feel like I've been rating on a a scale that I wouldn't I wouldn't consider it overrating it, I guess, for the episodes that I've, you know, been discussing on the show last week of course like jordan you loved episode last week and i was i thought it was i thought it was fairly average just because of certain narrative shortcuts it took and script writing and like the the governor episodes those are maybe my least favorite episodes of the entire series so i mean it's for me i would say i feel like i'm right on par with what if i have to assign a number to these episodes i I don't i don't think i'm overrating it but i i mean that's that's where I stand on it. What do you guys think? Well, I've been rating, um, you know, the I think the only high, really high, like four point five, four point seven fives. I gave to word like to standout episodes. Like I thought the Grove was a standout. I thought um, a few a few episodes ago, I also gave another high rating too. But I mean, I agree with you, Aaron. The Governor episodes were like the low point of the series for me. I mean, I just couldn't stand that they're what they were trying to you know bring us around to thinking old Phil's you know not so bad after all. But no. Forget it, you know. If you're... I thought his name was Brian or Phil, <laughs> I don't know. Read the book and find out. <laughs> but you know, I I agree. Like for instance, some of these have worked for me. Some of these haven't. The the ones that are just more like okay, let's get the plot moving along haven't worked for me as well. Like this week's episode, we'll talk about as some of the stuff that's just a little more focused on the characters. I also agree with what Craig said about the actors out out acting what's written for them. I think that we said something to that effect yes. on the last episode. I think the acting is definitely of a higher caliber than the script writing here. And that really does a lot for me to, to elevate the qual- overall quality of the episodes. But, um, like I thought last episode was, was good, was a standout again, mainly because of the acting, but you know, very few of them have been like, you know, have really you know put me over the moon. And I also agree with Craig's point that it's taking them a long time to get to this next Thing I thought, sure we'd you know I didn't think we'd uh, you know Terminus would be the season ender. I thought they'd be there by now, you know. So it's I think it's both a good and a bad thing. You know the the pacing. He's he's right though. It's not as fast as it was uh, for season three. So like Aaron, you said right in the beginning. You know it's all subjective, and I think that's point number one in giant blinking letters is everybody's in the show for something different as viewers and whether you're pleased by something or not it's going to depend on what you're looking for and in terms of the plot versus character uh, discussion for me it depends on what show I'm watching there's some shows where I watch more for the plot there's some shows I watch more for the character and some more of a mix this is kind of a mix but leaning more strongly towards character and when there's plot stuff going on that's, you know, pretty major, something from the comic that I'm familiar with, or have a good idea where it's going, like Woodbury or something like that. Yeah, I am interested in, okay, let's get to the next thing, let's get to the next thing. But in episodes like this, where the plot, the overall goal or whatever, is a little bit more nebulous, get to Terminus, but we don't know exactly what that means, I don't care as much. And I don't want to say it like I don't care, like I don't care what happens at Terminus. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, in, in a situation like that, 
I'm perfectly fine with them taking 15 episodes to get to Terminus, or however long it takes them to get there. Um, obviously, they got there in this episode. But if I'm enjoying the character stuff, I I don't need the the team, the, the characters, to be going towards some place, because for me, I enjoy the show just as much when it's just about them surviving. As long as they're doing it interestingly, as long as there's interesting character stuff going on, I don't care where they're going unless there is something really interesting going on that we already know about where they're going. Maybe Terminus has that, maybe it doesn't, but until we get there, I don't care how long it takes them to get there as long as they're doing interesting stuff in the meantime um, and building those characters. So it, it all really just depends what you're looking for the show to be. You know, this isn't a movie, it's an ongoing show, it's a it's a... A story that has no ending. Uh, you know, I, this is not spoilers, but you know they're not going. Regardless of what happens with the Eugene and and everything story, they're not going to suddenly get rid of zombies because that's the show. So all this kind of stuff, it's just all of it's filler. If you want, if you want to get t- down to it, the entire show is filler because there's no end game. It's all about the characters. So for me, that's what I'm looking for. There will be more to say, I think, when, you know, next week and, like, f- preceding weeks where um, we, you know, have the whole season wrapped up and we can weigh in on what we thought overall of what they're trying to accomplish this season. Because there's obviously a level of expectation when you introduce something like Terminus, and but you don't know where that's going necessarily. And we're sitting here, you know, basically predicting that though maybe they'll all meet up soon or they'll all get to terminus in this number of weeks and whatnot and that hasn't happened and reviewing episodes week by week we can only go so far with assessing what the plot is versus the pacing of the season and what like makes the most sense and obviously yeah, this one has a much different idea of how to go about things than previous seasons have with that said like you have to assess these episodes with you know only only as much knowledge as the episode gives you and not based on where the show headed overall. I mean, we can obviously do a buster rating for the season later on or something, but going week by week, we only have so many means to rate set episodes, and while I feel like I've been as harsh as... Not as harsh, but as, I've been as <clears throat> judgmental as I can in a way that you know allows for good conversation about an episode rather than just saying five, 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 one. Like, it's <laughs> like... It's more... I, it's interesting to be in these conversations where we can talk about what we think of these episodes, what we think of these performances, what we think of these plot lines, these different, what we predict could happen, what happens based on the book, all while not necessarily thinking about a number in our head, just thinking of using you know words to explain said things. I think I think where the seams are really starting to show in the in the show for me though is in the writing and in the scripts. I mean, there are you mentioned some logic problems you had with the script last time. I had some logic problems from this episode, big time. I mean, it's like what is is Glenn like the poster boy for bad decisions now? Just because he wants to get to Maggie, I mean, I don't know. It, it really kind of bothered me this episode. I think that's really where, for me, the scenes are, are starting to show in the, in, in, in the the episodes. I mean, I'm with you, Jordan. If the if the characters are gripping enough, and what's happening between them is is under is is enough to get me to watch, then you know it doesn't matter where they're going or if they're just sitting around making a sandwich. I'm going to watch the show. But there's a real difference when you're watching a drama between hearing someone deliver dialogue and hearing someone have a conversation. You know what I mean? Oh, and absolutely. in this show, I hear a lot of people delivering dialogue, and it's rare that we actually hear someone and it sounds like they're actually having 
a conversation. And I, I know that's kind of a nebulous distinction or whatever, but it is something that, that bothers me and kind of takes me out of the experience sometimes. I completely agree with you, Jim. That's something that I've all, I mean, even before I was consistently on this podcast, I'd always be writing, you know, the reviews for the episodes. And it's, it's the thing that I've been harking, remarking on the most. It's that the writing is, tends to be all on the wall, but not all that, you know, impressive. And like an episode like Still, for example, the episode that I wasn't on for this half of the midseason, like that's when I had a lot of problems with just because of the way it's telling me things that I basically already knew about Daryl and Beth that, but we had to stretch that out into an hour. I know some people like that episode a lot more than others, but it's just like, there's only so much you can accomplish within the season that has only so many episodes and only so many, and a bunch of characters to get through. Like there's just, it goes back and forth. And so, yeah, I enjoy the, I enjoy the character stuff and you know, it's nice to see like some kind of plot happening. And obviously there's character arcs that are the most important thing at the end of the day here. Like you and, you know, we have all these different characters, so we see different things, different people ra- having kind of wrapped up arcs, such as, like, Tyrese and Carol's arc is technically wrapped up, so, and, you know, Rick still has a little bit to go in the end of the season, and the Glenn and Maggie stuff's wrapped up, like, there's all these different aspects, so, yeah, again, I guess at the, you know, next week and weeks after we can discuss the season overall. I think it's also important to to mention what we're rating against, and what I mean by that is, I can't speak for you guys, but for me, my one out of five is based on what I think this show can do and what I've seen it can do. So a five for me is what I think is the best this show has done or the best I think it can do versus a one, which would be this is just the worst the show has done. I'm not rating it against... Big Brother or Breaking Bad, not, I wasn't purposely doing two BB shows, but, you know, I'm rating it against The Walking Dead, so if it's a five, it's a five for The Walking Dead, it's not five from all of TV TV history, which, if you're rating it based on that, yeah, your ratings are going to be presumably quite lower, unless you're counting just all the, you know, Here Comes Bunny, boo, Honey Boo Boo type stuff and all those kind of things, in which case it's going to sway the other way, but... You know, like we said, it's all subjective. That's a great way to put it, Jordan, because that is how I rate these two. It is rate based on what the what I, what I know The Walking Dead is capable of. And, I mean, I make it no secret, The Walking Dead is not a favorite show of mine. It is a show that I enjoy watching. I love talking about and I love writing about because there's a lot of things to write and talk about. But, I, you know, I wouldn't put it in my top five shows. Well, I do watch it right away every week. But, I mean, it's... It's a show that I I know what kind of limitations it has in terms of quality overall based on what I've seen, you know, four four seasons in at this point. And that is the way that I, you know, try to rate these based on what I've seen it, how I've seen it be it's at its best. And there are a handful of episodes that I have given fives to and a lot I haven't and a lot I haven't given four point fives to. Like there's, you know, there's only so much consideration you can give to to a number rating a show in ter- as far as how good the show is capable of being. That's why I really appreciate the fact we, we always have our buster rings at the end because if you're listening to the podcast, you know, it'd be very easy, you know, like you were saying before, five, four, four point five. Okay, you know, now and have, you know, people get what they, you know, get what they will from that kind of, you know, nebulous number rating and, and tune out, you know, I mean, I think it's much more about the discussion, about the, the show, the potential of the show, how the show relates to the comic, uh, how the characters relate to one another, and what we think about that, you know, rather than just trying to, you know, I mean, it's fun to, it's obviously everybody, you know, likes to break things down into a rating system, you know, as, as simply as they can, and it's quick, and it's easy, and it's like a bite-sized little, little bit of information, but I mean, the reason I do this podcast is, like you and I like to be able to discuss these things, and, and kind of go a little deeper below the surface. 
So. This is a good question, by the way. I like this question. Yeah, thanks a lot, Craig. <laughs> and it leads well into the second question, so let's listen to the second half of his voicemail now. I also asked a while ago on the Facebook page if you all could name your favorite episode of the entire series up to now. So mine would be the first episode of the third season, Seed, where they take over the prison. I just loved that episode. It was intense from the get-go. It set the pace for the entire third season. The the writing, the music, the action, everything was spot on. The acting was perfect. And that's my favorite one of the series so far. And I have yet to see an episode get close to that level of, uh, of enjoyment for me. So that's all I have, guys. Again, thanks for putting together such a great show. I look forward to listening to you every week. And uh, have a good day. Thanks. Thank you very much for your voicemail, Craig. We appreciate it because it's given us lots of conversation. For sure. So, gentlemen, uh, I think we said last week, uh, so the cat's out of the back for that one. I think so far my favorite episode is The Grove. Uh, if not that, then probably 18 miles out. But what about the two of you? I'd have to say Nebraska, just because it really kind of represents in a nutshell all that Walking Dead is about, trying to hold on to what you are or were in the face of like total barbarism and anarchy. And there's a lot of good character stuff there with Herschel, who's one of my favorite characters in the series. And I, I just thought that was a really strong episode, so I'll go with that. Also, probably probably Clear would be another one. Clear is my choice for my favorite yeah, episode of the series. I think the, I mean, the, the pilot is pretty fantastic in terms of kind of a, a standalone thing that sets up the future and Frank Darabont directing and everything. But Clear is a... It's a good example of everything that Jim just said, actually, for me. I mean, it represents everything that I think The Walking Dead is capable of. I think it's a solid standalone episode. I think you can walk into Clear, not necessarily have an idea of what the show is in general, and sit down and watch and be satisfied with the hour. Um, Lenny James just needs to be on the show more often, because I think he's been great in both the pilot and Clear. And, um, I mean, there's you know, you get the zombie stuff, you get the character stuff. It's the first time that Michonne really opened up as a character, and it helped that she was with Carl, who's also, you know, kind of began his expansion into a more interesting character. Just everything about that episode I just love. And I just, I did rewatch it recently, so it's like all fresh in my mind. <laughs> you know, mentioning Nebraska just brought to mind, do you think we'll ever find out anything more about that group that, uh, was it Joe and Dave were part of? Do you think they were part of uh, this other Joe's gang or the governor's group or just something completely separate? Who knows? I think that if the show wanted to do that, it would need to throw something our way to kind of get us ready for something like that to happen. But I just don't, I don't, I don't see it at this point happening. Yeah, I think if, neither do I. I think I, if it would have, they wanted to tie that in, they would have by now. That's true. And there would, there, there would have, I don't know. They, it, 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 I doubt it. I just, <laughs> it's just frustrating to think about. Apparently. <laughs> I also don't think it's really that important. You know, presumably there's lots of groups of various types exactly. of marauders. Yeah. Both uh, the the Jersey Shore Guido types that that were in that episode versus the biker gang types that are in this episode versus the governor's type. And that came from like, you know, that was the, it was that season where, you know, like Darabont was gone, Glenn Mazar came in and, you know, the, the writing was a little all over the place. Obviously people were complaining about season two's pacing just like <laughs> some people are now. Um, and it just, you know, they might've just cleared out the whole, not the whole writing staff, but, you know, cleared things out to make way for getting into the governor's stuff. And now the stuff that we're at now with Terminus and all that, it might just not be a, a thing anymore. I just feel like it's it's very hard to it's a tough balance to maintain between you know the people that want lots of action zombie action all the time and the people that really want to you know focus more on the story and you know like we've seen it go back and the pendulum go back and forth as the seasons have gone by. So as soon as the Vatos come back, then then I'll worry about the gang from Nebraska coming. Back. <laughs> <laughs>
well, they are heading back into Atlanta, so that is more likely now than ever. There you go. Well, let's get into the episode proper. Again, thank you, Craig, for your voicemail. And if you'd like to send us a voicemail, we will tell you how at the end of the show. This episode, however, is called U.S. or Us depending on how you want to say it, and we can get into more on that in the spoiler section at the end of the episode. But uh, it's episode 415 of The Walking Dead. It's directed by Greg Nicotero and written by Nicole Beattie and Seth Hoffman. Actually, I want to point out that this was supposed to be directed by David S. Goyer originally, hmm. and that did not happen. This was that episode. Oh, was, okay. I believe it was, I think it was like a scheduling thing or something. He just couldn't fit it in. But yeah, it, was, it wasn't supposed to be Nicotero originally. I wouldn't mind seeing a David S. Goyer directed episode. I'd rather avoid one that was written by him, um, unless it was also co-written by Jonathan Nolan, but that's beside the point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we start out with Glenn, Tara, Abraham, Rosita, and Eugene as they're walking down the railroad tracks, and Glenn comes across a message about Terminus that Maggie had left for him. And uh, realizing that Maggie's still alive, Glenn sprints forward down the tracks. So we're off and running. Literally. In, in summer, in full body riot armor, running at full speed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you get lots of momentum that way. Okay. I get that he's ex- I get that he's excited, and we'll get to more of the adventures of Glenn during this episode in this recap, but wh- where is he going? Like he's, like, he's like right around the corner. He's going to just keep sprinting the whole time. I get it. He's excited. Whatever. Move on. <laughs> we then cut over to Rick, Carl, and Michonne on another part of the railroad tracks. Remember them? And- Yes, oh, I do. Yeah. Carl and Michonne are continuing to bond. Everyone seems in slightly better spirits, even Rick. And uh, Carl and Michonne share a candy bar. Yeah, everything's hunky-dory now with Carl, huh? He's got great balance. He's, like, all all done being uh, all, all full of drama and stuff now. <laughs> pudding was to chill him out, I guess. Exactly, right? I thought he was gonna. I thought she was gonna offer him pudding for winning the. the <laughs> um, I thought it was gonna be crazy cheese. Yeah, that too. Either way, it, we'll get to the next scene in a second. But I like how this is like the kind version of splitting something in two, and everyone gets a piece. And now we're gonna get to this other scene with these jerk faces and whatnot. Mm. Speaking of jerk faces, meanwhile, Daryl and Len, who is the kind of evil Jesus-looking dude who's part of Joe's group, uh, well, Daryl's out hunting, uh, kills a rabbit. And uh, Daryl tracked the rabbit, but Len's arrow actually hits the rabbit first. So Len then says, claimed, and uh, he claims the rabbit. He argues with Daryl, and Joe shows up and interrupts them. Joe explains to Daryl that the group has a few rules, one of them being that if they want something, they claim it. Once it's claimed, it's yours. No arguing about it. And then, uh, because Daryl didn't know the rule, he cuts the rabbit in half for Daryl and Len, and uh, he, he gives each of them a half. I, I kind of like Joe as this malevolent post-apocalyptic Solomon. Like, there's a lot more to this character than I would have expected in the it beginning. It was getting a real Chris Christopherson vibe off of him uh, this episode. And uh, the whole, like, <laughs> elevating dibs to a whole societal level is kind of hilarious. Think about it. <laughs> Shotgun. The best thing about this, like, half of the episode, or this, you know, portion of the episode, is that I did like Joe. I think Joe, I think the work that uh, the actor Jeff Cobra is doing to really make this guy work as a potential like person that Daryl can not necessarily look up to, but stick with for the time being. I, I like the work done to kind of make that character into something that you know has evil written all over him, but at the same time works as a kind of leader figure for the time being, even if it involves putting up this alpha male grade school BS to super stupid levels of this claim nonsense that I to yell at my TV about. <laughs> Although I, I kind of get the impression from Joe that he knows how stupid it is, but he also knows that it's the best way to trick these guys into doing exactly what he wants. Oh, yeah, like, I he's get He's manipulating that. Yeah. them in an awesome way. Yeah, 
I, I completely agree, and that, again, comes with what I like about this Joe character. It's just so stupid to me, though. <laughs> Scraggy McScraggles walking around. I claim that. I'm yeah. going to pick a fight with Daryl, because why not? <laughs> that's what three-year-olds do. I mean, that's what my daughter does. You know. My toy, mine. You know, she'll mark off, like, she'll claim stuff, so. Now, if, like, so if Joe wasn't there, and, like, Daryl did just take the knife and completely, like, go after Len, Len wouldn't stand a chance, right? <laughs> like, he would have just killed him, like, outright. The guy kills tanks. Like, this little <laughs> Scraggy McScraggles has no chance. Daryl Dixon, what do you, what do you think? Oh. Uh, so later on, Joe and Daryl are walking down the tracks with the group, and uh, Joe enc- encourages Daryl to stay with them. But he does warn him that anyone who lies or steals from the group will take a severe beating, going along with the rules there. He talks about us, and this is like where the title starts to come in. Yes, exactly. He has that kind of us monologue, of, opposed to Daryl saying, you're sticking with us for now, or are you, you being us? And, like, and Daryl keeps saying, there is no us. And it's, I mean, it's good work. It's good. It's a good, again, I like the Joe character, and I like what Norman Reedus is given here. It's a nice step away from I need to run after Beth and find her. It's nice, you know, to see this side of Daryl come out where you can kind of see the wheels in his head turning as you try to decipher if he's falling into this trap here or if he's just, you know, biding his time, which I think he is, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think the the moment he starts to see real malevolence creep up from them will be the moment he steps back. I mean, right now, we know they're evil because we know what they've done, but they're just kind of rough-and-tumble dudes, which, A, we know he has a history with, so he's at least somewhat comfortable in that atmosphere. But he, they haven't done anything outright wrong yet. They're just kind of They did scruffy. murder a guy for just, you know, being a dick. <laughs> well, no, 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 but I mean, I, I, in the beginning, at least, he he didn't know anything more okay. than that. And in that case, well, he pro- he was going to kill the guy himself, so... Yeah, you remember who his older brother was, right? right. Yeah, but I mean, he's uh, also... I don't really think this... I don't think his behavior is really too far out of his wheelhouse, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean? He's also a grown-up, though. It's not like he's a teenager that like, needs a new role the, model. Like, no, but, I mean, Joe is, like, I could definitely see him, like, kind of filling that moral role. Like, he's both benevolent yet incredibly scary and threatening all at once, you know? That Yeah, that's fair. Then we cut back over to Glenn's group, who eventually come across a building uh, where Walker is about to fall on t- off the roof, or, or the second floor, on top of Eugene. Uh, but you- Abraham shoves him and Tara out of the way, which causes Tara to fall to the ground, and she injures herself in the process. So Abraham says we should rest, but Glenn wants to push ahead. So he offers to make a deal that if Abraham's group continues on towards Terminus with him to find Maggie, he will give Eugene his riot gear for protection. And Abraham accepts the deal, and the group continues forward. It's a good thing that I really like these people. Abraham and Eugene mainly, and actually, for that said, Tara's been growing on me immensely in the weeks after her not being my most favorite character, but the staging of the scene was all kinds of off for me, where it's like, there's a walker up there, move out of the way, Uh, confusion for some reason, oh no, I tripped and now my knee's broken, like, it's just like all these things that you, just to get Tara to have a, like, to not be able to walk correctly, or, you know, as well, like, it just, it felt a little poorly done. Well, I got the impression that the only real confusion there was is only, I guess it was Glenn and Abraham saw the walker. Everybody else might have heard it, but they weren't looking up um, to to refer to Invincible, the, co- the other comic by Robert Kirkman. You know, they weren't expecting the zombie to be there, so they're looking around for a zombie and being told, move, move, but they don't see anything because it's above them. No, it's I, I get exactly what the scene's trying to accomplish. I, I understand what's going on there. It just, the, the terms of, like, filming this scene... It just made me uneasy with how poorly done it seemed to be. I think the way it was blocked is more 
um, yeah. the problem than what was actually going on. I mean, I understand what they're trying to convey, but the way it was blocked and kind of edited and shot, I understand what Aaron's saying. Rather than making them look confused, it made them look incompetent, and that's that was my <laughs> issue with it. <laughs> I see what you mean. And I gotta say, I like that you're coming around on Terra, Aaron, because I think some of my favorite episodes, or favorite, favorite moments in this episode, at least in the Glenn storyline, were the interactions between... Um, Eugene and Tara. Like, I oh, yeah. laughed out loud several times in this episode, which is very rare from The Walking Dead. There was a, there was a scene where, like, he's talking to, he's talking about video... He asked her, like, what, so what's your favorite video game, or, or what kind of gamer are you? And then, like, it's like a smash cut to nighttime, and you just see, like, Tara's face, and it, it looks as if she's been, like, dealing with Eugene all day, and she's sick of it. Like, that's the... And it's, like, hilarious. It's this hilarious... And this is look. after he's talking about how it's a, a theory, at least, a viable theory, that this same virus wiped out the dinosaurs, which he doesn't really believe, but he mostly just likes thinking about uh, zombified ankylosaurs. Right. I, I wrote. I wrote down the quote from that because at the end of that sentence, he says that there's a video game worth the pre-order, which made me laugh. <laughs> 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 so what are you into? RPGs? Uh, so we then cut back to Daryl and the group uh, that he's with has found refuge in kind of a, I don't know if warehouse is necessarily the right term, but more of a big garage type feeling building. Daryl awakens to Len, who's a evil Jesus, or what we call him, Scraggly McScrags. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, he's, he, had, he had a Brad Dorff uh, vibe going on. If they stretched out Brad Dorff, sure. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like I've seen him in something else, but I couldn't place it. Anyway, he's accusing Daryl of stealing the other half of the rabbit. So he, he wants to get into Daryl's uh, knapsack and, and, and prove that Daryl has the other half. And Joe comes over and Joe says, Daryl, is it in the bag? Daryl says, no, it is not. I didn't touch his half of the rabbit. I followed the rules. And uh, Joe pours out the bag. And uh, inside is the other half of the rabbit, to which Len says, oh, I told you he stole it. And Joe says, or, and Daryl says, no, you must have put it in there when I was sleeping or earlier on. And you're just trying to frame me for this. And Joe asks Len, did you do that? Are you lying to us right now? And when Len firmly denies it, uh, Joe says, okay. And then he runs, he walks over and elbows, I think it was elbows, he punches right him. in the face. He, he, takes no, he punches him he right in the a face. Big punch. Yeah. Was big it a punch? Okay. He kind of turns back and then he turns and immediately punches him in the face. And then uh, he has the whole group go for a giant beatdown on Len and basically tells Daryl, yeah, I saw him do it earlier, but I wanted to see it play out. He took the risk. He paid the price. We kind of we kind of merged this whole plot line together because, like, yeah, there's the whole scene of them arriving at the blaze and then <laughs> claiming all the cars and Daryl's, like, sleeping on the floor. Then we kind of go away. Then we come back to that whole Daryl's bag and everything. But, uh, and kudos to the people who cut the promos for this episode, by the way, because mm -hmm. I was totally expecting him to knock out Len and then set everybody after Daryl, because from the previews, it looked like Daryl was the one getting beaten up. Um, so thank them. I, I thank them for the misdirection. Yeah, it was a scene that made me happy just because this guy, like, he's just too hateable for like him to last long enough on this show for me to, and me be content with it. So like, I'm glad. I, I I'm not glad that he's dead, but I'm glad that this character is no longer going to be on this show because there's just no reason for this nonsense to happen beyond just like making Daryl pissed off and it could have gone the way of, but he did this and no one else believes me. Wow, sad me. Like, it's just like, instead, yeah, we just killed him because screw this guy. The next day or later on that day when they leave the camp, Daryl finds Len's beaten uh, and killed body outside uh, with an arrow through his head, which I was actually kind of surprised that he didn't take the arrow, although maybe the arrows are not compatible as bolts for the uh, crossbow. I don't know. But uh, he, he was at first going to throw a sheet over him and then he decides otherwise and continues on with the group towards Terminus, where they have a conversation about Terminus, and that they probably wouldn't be accepted there, but they're heading there anyway 
because they're chasing a man who killed one of their own and set that one that one of their own against them as a zombie. We, of course, know that that's Rick, even though that uh, Daryl doesn't quite know that yet. And we also see on the train tracks as they're heading towards Terminus, uh, the candy bar wrapper from Rick, Michonne, and Carl earlier in the episode. I wonder if there was any rearranging of scenes in this area with the, the Rick stuff. I, I'm, I'm curious if it was... If the Rick scene was always planned to be in this episode or they just needed to put it somewhere as a reminder and this is the one that made the most sense? Because I know shows do that sometimes where they have an ensemble cast with multiple plot lines so they kind of rearrange things. Because right. uh, it would have been a neat like, oh, that was from a couple episodes when they had that candy bar or something like that. But regardless, I mean, it, obviously the pieces are set up and that's where we're headed now. Also, <laughs> Daryl not leaving a sheet over Len means that he's definitely going to be eaten by somebody, which is a, also a nice little capper to that character. <laughs> Uh, I think at the once you're dead, the zombies aren't interested in you generally. Or maybe that's just once you turn. Once you turn, yeah. They're, yeah, they're... so since he was shot through the head, he won't turn. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Food for the take. <laughs> Claimed. <laughs> Claimed. <laughs> so Glenn's group approaches a tunnel over the train track with a sign for Maggie to proceed, and Glenn goes over and feels it and sees that it's still wet, so they must be catching up. Uh, but Abraham decides that the you know tunnel of death is too dangerous for the group. That there is a dark tunnel full of, uh, what was it, hungry... Um, I think it was hungry. terrible things or something like that. And that is a bad, or nothing but a bad idea. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good line. Uh, so they split up. Now Eugene has the riot gear and Glenn and Tara take a couple cans of food, a flashlight. They tell Glenn and Tara that they're going to return to the last road that they pass if they have trouble getting through. And Glenn and Tara make their way inside of the tunnel, which behind the scenes apparently was built on the back of the prison set, which I would have never guessed. Huh. I would have assumed they used a real tunnel, but that was just a good uh, a good uh, set. Now, I don't know how tunnels work, maybe, but if there's a tunnel somewhere and there seems to be land accessible over it, it seems like they could have just walked over the tunnel. Well, they yeah. talked about going That's over and around. Too. Well, no, they, they, by talking about means, Eugene said it will take a day for us to go around it. I, I didn't really see much talking besides, it'll take us a day. Like, it was a real throwaway line of dialogue. Yeah, this is like another of Glenn's bad decisions in this episode. I mean, I think I think we have the right idea of how a tunnel works, right? I, I just, they didn't, they didn't really say anything about the geography of this land for me to be like, why can't we just walk on top of this tunnel? Or, right. I would say going on top of it certainly makes more sense, but it did take Eugene and, and Abraham and Rosita a good, what seemed like a couple hours to even drive around it, so at least he seemed to be having the right to train of thought when he was talking about going around it. Did it, though? I mean, it was still daytime. Like, it didn't seem like there was much time lost in between. <laughs> long enough for you for Abraham to fall asleep and for uh, Rosita to start getting annoyed with, uh, with Eugene already. Fair. All right. Um, which was also I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking for no reason. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I, I it's just it. like, I, I feel like I'm being treated like I don't know how tunnels work in this episode. So, so inside the tunnel, Glenn and Tara uh, find a bunch of walkers over the edge of a collapsed part of the tunnel. So they're at first not sure what they're going to do. Um, they look around, make sure Maggie's not one of them. The, the tunnel didn't collapse on top of them because it seems to be a re- recent collapse. But they don't find I Maggie. The, uh, I called it the wall of the dead. Yeah, it was very yeah. creepy. It was very reminiscent of Day of the Dead, which we'll get to again later. Um, but just, you know, the body parts sticking out of rocks and stuff. And a really gross, I wouldn't even say drooling zombie, but it was like just a big ball of phlegm fell out of its mouth as they were walking past. It was gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I need one more yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Claim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> claim, claim, claim. Very claim. much so. Agreed. There was a I, the uh, their their like their attempt to get through it, which was like Glenn just stabbing him in the head. I kept thinking, no, they should play it like Operation. Don't touch the sides. Just kind of like you know move carefully through the wall of the dead and, and try to get by. But no, they just went for the old stabby stabby route. So. So do you want them to make smart decisions or not? I'm having trouble following. Well, I mean, if we're going to go down the path of dumb decisions, we might as well keep, keep consistent. So <laughs> That's fair enough. It looked cool. It did. They're, you know, zombie mortar. So they climb over uh, the big pile of rocks and rubble, and they see a bunch of zombies on the other side. Um, they climb down one side, and Tara it gets her foot stuck under a rock. I think, was it Glenn knocked the rock down accidentally, or she did? I think she just stepped on something wrong, and it just kind of fell in. And it traps her against the side of the tunnel. So uh, the zombies start coming. Glenn's trying to get her out from her, her trapped foot. And uh, he she, he won't leave her. She tells him to leave. He won't. Finally, the zombies are about to get to them, including one who looks exactly like Bub from Day of the Dead. If you have not watched the original Day of the Dead, you should go check it out. Um, if you only see the remake, don't even bother. It's oh, one of the God. worst movies I've ever seen. No, 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 no. Not, not claimed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, Not anyone claimed. else can have that. Anti-claim. <laughs> the quote-unquote remake of Day of the Dead, because it basically only has the same name, is awful. But the original Day of the Dead is quite good, and this zombie looks just like Bub from that movie, who's a pivotal character in the movie. The, the zombies are, are approaching them, so Glenn takes out a sidearm, he fires as many bullets as he has at the zombies, and then let's cut back outside, because we got a little bit ahead of ourselves. Um, we mentioned earlier... That's uh, Abraham, Eugene, Rosita, they're in a vehicle, they find a vehicle, they're making their way around, and Eugene really, really wants to be the navigator, uh, despite the fact that apparently this has gone bad in the past, some more very funny scenes with him, which I was really enjoying. Um, but Rosita eventually you know, steps back and lets him be the navigator, she's going to drive, but at a certain point she's getting annoyed, Abraham's asleep in the back seat, and she says that Eugene's already had her make three left turns, um... And, you know, trying to figure out what's going on, he has her stop. Eventually, Abraham wakes up because Eugene hits him in the head with the chair, which is funny oh. again. And uh, they're having this big argument about what's going on. They, they finally figure out that Eugene has put them right on the other side of the tunnel, and he's timed it out so he thinks that this is when the other guys should be getting through, if they're okay. And at that moment, everybody's arguing. Eugene looks out the window, and he tells them, well, what was the line? Something about, what is that? Or, guys, guys, guys? Something yeah, along those lines. Yeah, basically that. So we don't see what that is. I think it cuts the commercial there. But back inside the tunnel, Glenn and Tara are about to get overrun by the zombies when all of a sudden you hear an engine noise and lights coming around the side of the tunnel. They're told to get down, and we see several figures uh, illuminated in silhouette uh, who take down the zombies very heartily with lots and lots of bullets. And then we see that Eugene, Abraham, and Rosita found Bob, Sasha, and Maggie. They have all teamed up. They've rescued Glenn and Tara. Everybody hugs. It's awesome. Go team. End of the episode. Just kidding. But it is awesome. Finally, Maggie and Glenn are back together. It was a nice Shaun of the Dead moment. Like, you know, everything yes, going wrong. Yes, I thought like, of that too. Right? It exactly reminded me of Shaun of the Dead. That was my... I said that out loud. I was like, Shaun of the Dead's ending. I was waiting for Yvonne to walk around the corner. It would have been awesome. How amazing would that be? <laughs> I was both. So I thought it was an Expendables trailer for a second. <laughs> it was a little overkill, but it was cool. It was a very cool hero shot. Backing up like a tad to Eugene and Rosita having a spat, I can't say that I was really impressed with Rosita uh, as and act, as as far as acting goes this episode. I, I feel like a lot of the dialogue was really forced. 
That was that was my impression of it. I mean, this is the first episode she's really had anything to do in. I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it, but I haven't had a lot to judge it against from her so far. I mean, I can judge it against what I consider good acting, and that it's no, no, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I will say, let's return to Jordan's jacket corner. Her jacket, when she finally puts on real clothes, is awesome. Like with the tactical patches and everything. It was nice as you're wearing jeans and like clothes that feel responsible for a person in the apocalypse for this episode. That was nice. <laughs> Yeah, so they got their little, you know, shot from the comics of everybody looking exactly like they did in the comics, and now let's put them in some real clothes that work in the real world. I'm fine as, with that. As much as I enjoyed hearing Abraham say those things are damn near hypnotic, it was nice to see her just not sit there. I, I gotta say, I love this crew. Like, issues with Rosita aside, I, I like these three, and, like, I, I want this kind of energy to be more, not, you know, overwhelmed you're walking dead, but it's nice to, you know... If last episode we're dealing with dead children running around, not running around anymore, um, it's nice to have this kind of comic booky vi- uh, balance, which I addressed the first time we kind of had a whole episode with them, where the same thing when, like, Michonne first entered the scene, it's like, that's new and different, I like that, as opposed to, hey, it's just really sad and depressing all the time, so, like, I like this energy that they're bringing, especially Abraham, I think Michael Cudlitz is doing a tremendous job as Abraham, where he's... This kind of, he's a big tough guy, but he's not, you know, he's not a jerk about it. He's like, yeah, I got a mission, but I'm also have a sense of humor. Good for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely is a lighter touch, and it's definitely appreciated after, like you said, after last episode. Like, I have no doubt that next episode, things are probably going to get pretty heavy, but it is nice well, as far as tone goes for finale, this one. of course. Yeah, I mean. yeah. <laughs> Let alone the various people coming to Terminus and possibly things that could happen at Terminus, so. So after they've hugged and, and said all their hellos, uh, we, we flash forward a little bit. They've set up a camp inside the tunnel. They've roped it off on both sides, so they think they're going to be pretty safe. And then they have a discussion where uh, Maggie, Sophia, Sophia, Maggie, Sasha, and uh-huh. Bob have been clued in on the whole, hey, Eugene says he knows how to save the world, so do you want to join us? And after some discussion, they eventually settle on, hey, we're only a day from Terminus. Let's go to Terminus first, see if we can meet the rest of our people, see if they have showed up, at least scope it out, and then, you know, then we'll go with you to Washington. Some of us will go to Washington, some of us will stay uh, there at Terminus. So that's what they decide to do. It's a very completely reasonable way to go about it. I, I agree yes. with what Sasha had to say. You know what? We didn't. I didn't talk about Glenn at all, <laughs> and I meant to. Um, I, I, sorry, I got to back up now. Um, I like Glenn. Glenn's a Glenn's a good guy. I like Stephen Yeun. He's good. Ma- Maggie, she's cool too. Glenn really kind of seems selfish this episode to me. Like it was the first time it really felt that way to me. I I can't. Yeah. I'm not saying like he's this horrible monster person that only has one thing ever on his mind. And blah, blah. I'm just saying he's putting a lot of people in harm's way for the sake of this like mission of some girl he hasn't seen in a couple days. And I get that it's you know it's the end of the world and he's worried, but it just it it felt it it, it felt very obvious to me that he was like doing things that you know just felt uh harsher than just he's in love and he needs to find his girl like it just felt like hey i'm putting people in danger because this is the thing that needs to be done nothing else matters including the 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 world saving aspect of this of these people i'm with but he's not putting anyone in danger they're putting themselves in danger he's not making anyone come with him people are just following him He's acting very selflessly, and everybody else is is arguing with him about, well, I guess we're just going to follow you now. Like, that's their own fault if they get hurt, as far as I'm concerned. 
that's the that's the way to think of it. That's that's the, that's how I'm trying to judge it. So I don't hate Glenn, but it just it stuck out to me this episode. <laughs> like he sticks Ter- with Tara. Tara. He's not going to let her get killed. You know all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's I mean just... that saves it as well. But it's like we're going to the tunnel of death, guys. That's the plan here. Like that's yeah. <laughs> well, his plan is for him to go in the tunnel of death. He's perfectly fine to go in there by himself. He knows Tara will come along. Like there's no chance he's not leaving. And I think Glenn as a character has been smarter than that in the past. You know, it just seemed like he was making. A lot of uh, stupid decisions that kind of didn't make sense for the character to make. For me, anyway. I mean, I don't know. Maybe this giving, is the guy who went down the well. Yeah, maybe I'm giving Glenn too much credit. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just this is the most Glenn material we've gotten for like a while, basically, and it just it's like ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, got to got to, gots to be with that Maggie. But now they're together, so. Maggie and Glenn also have a nice scene where she sees that he has the photo, and they decide to burn it because they're never going to need it again. We'll see how well that works. <laughs> but it's still a nice sentiment. It's a nice sentiment, yes. That's a good way to put it. And he made the right decision by not taking off his wife by, uh, or, or post-apocalyptic common-law wife, whatever you want to call it, by by not disagreeing with her, despite the fact that it seemed like he kind of did. So post-apocalyptic common-law wife. I think I like he, he should have made a little effort to say, this is the thing that got me to get after you. I looked at this picture and it's like, I can't give up, I need to find you. That would actually make me happier, too, with this episode if he just explained what that picture meant to him. He's like, no, I can't, that's the only picture I have. We should also probably mention that he sugarcoats the truth, to put it nicely, about uh, Tara, and, and does not yeah. tell Maggie who she really is. Um which I think made it more suspicious looking than if he had said nothing. But uh, yes, he, he, he goes out of his way not to say that Tara was part of the governor's crew. Um, and Maggie gives her a big hug, which seems to make uh, Tara very uncomfortable. Well, she likes girls, too. So. Well, but she also knows what <laughs> know. what's her guilt. I'm well aware of that, ma'am. <laughs> that was another scene that I laughed at quite heartily. Uh, so the next day, they make the way to Terminus. We get our nice... Um, episode-ending uh, music montage of them trucking towards Terminus, which does appear to be a very old train station, which but would make sense. Wait, totally unlocked. That was to- a little weird. Totally unguarded. You know what I mean? There was, there was like a, an unlocked chain on the one fence, and then the other fence was totally unlocked and, and unpatrolled, yet everything was totally in order. You know what I mean? It's just snipers, really... Jim. Snipers. I didn't, they didn't show any snipers. <laughs> I mean, obviously we'll find out more next week, but, you know, sometimes the even the animals know where not to go. I'm just, <laughs> Ooh. I'm just saying. And uh, they make their way inside. There's flowers everywhere and laundry and other, you know, 1950s uh, Sunnydale accoutrement. And uh, they find a woman whose name is, I don't know if they say it in the episode, but her name is Mary, Mary played by she Denise does. Crosby, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's Tasha Yar from Star Trek The Next Generation. And uh, she offers them something to eat, and we end the episode. I saw so many tweets about Tasha Yar. I don't watch Star Trek, so I had, like, no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> I had to look this up. I was like, who's Tasha Yar? Whatever. Tasha Yar <laughs> was the security chief of the Enterprise in the first four seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation. Was she evil? Uh, no, she was killed okay. in the line of duty, saving... She had, like, a brief affair with Data, actually. But she died in the line of duty, uh, saving. Data's a robot, correct? Uh, Android, yes, yes. Android, you Android, racist. Yes. Is he Come a on. love android? Uh, uh, when his emotion chip is working. <laughs> no. Data's complicated. But then uh, she was replaced by Worf. And then didn't she? Didn't like the mirror universe version of her come back? Or there was yeah, some way they brought her back Romulan, eventually. Romulan clone of her. 
you know how that always happens. This concludes STTV podcast where we talk about Star Trek: The Next Generation, a show that premiered 17 days after I was born, if I remember correctly. You know, just to I make have everybody this, feel old. I have this useless information in my head. I may as well use it once in a while. <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's how I look at it. But yeah, very creepy vibe in the, in the uh, episode. No one else around, as far as we can tell, except for this woman, and she's making barbecue. Was, I'm curious. If, I'm curious if anyone thought this wasn't creepy because, like, even with the music, like, doing its best to be like, yeah, this place is cool. Like, I could not wrap my mind around this being anything but a creepy thing. Like, I was. I, I, I mean, was... it's creepy because it's on The Walking Dead. If this was on, you know, some other show, it might not seem creepy. But we know what show this we're watching. Oh yeah, for sure. But like, it's like the music. It it didn't feel like deliberately like happy 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 it just felt more of like a calming kind of way to bring the episode to a close but that it felt like that didn't even do it for me in terms of making me feel any kind of safe it just it just felt like creeped out completely more so than a lot of the other creepy things that have been on this show in general well part of that for me was her line delivery yeah, that, like, yeah. whatever she said felt like a prepared speech but not like a to actress delivering a written speech poorly, but like a this is something she's said many times and it just comes off creepy. Complete, yes, I completely kind of agree. Way. Yeah. So I think we're all in agreement. Something's off here, which again, we know what show we're watching, so duh. But, um, and I guess we can probably get into some theorizing in the spoiler section yeah, uh, later on in the episode. Before we get to the Buster ratings for this episode, Aaron, when you're not watching television and movies and rating them and podcasting about them, what do you do in your spare time? Well, Disc in, golf. The, in the event that I'm not doing any of those things that I'm constantly doing, I do like to read comics. Well, but comics are expensive. How do you afford comics without breaking the bank? Yeah, you know, I, I use this site that you, you talk about every so often. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, we've got a sponsor. It's DCBService.com. That's right. If you go to DCBService.com, that's Discount Comic Book Service, you can get all your comic book needs, uh, single issues, some fla- some trades and some floppies. For those, you're really going to want to go to uh, InStockTrades.com, their sister site, but they got some of those as well. T-shirts, baseball caps, posters, any type of comic or comic-related thing that you can think of, there's a good chance that they have it or know a way to get it at deep, deep discounts. Like we said, comics can be expensive these days. It's not the 1950s anymore. You can't get ten of them for a nickel or however much they used to cost. They can run a pretty penny, but there's a lot of great stories out there. There's a lot of great art. There's a lot of great uh, comic book action figures and posters and all that kind of stuff. If you want to get it and you want to save yourself some cash, which I think all of us can appreciate doing these days, you're going to want to go to dcbservice.com or instocktrades.com. Let them know that the Walking Dead TV podcast sent you, and you can save a pretty penny there and get lots and lots of cool stuff, including Walking Dead stuff. As the season's about to end, there are tons of Walking Dead comics out there. The trades, the compendium editions, the hardcovers, action figures, uh, the, the, the prose books... You can get most of that stuff right there at dcbservice.com or instocktrades.com and uh, fill yourself in over the off-season. Oh, I also wanted to mention they, um, they, they, don't, they don't just have comics and, and graphic novels. I mean, they have T-shirts and toys and, and uh, uh, models and all kinds of other uh, pop culture stuff. So, I mean, if you're looking for you know, a Michonne action figure or you know a, a hoodie with a picture of Carl telling you to stick them up on the back or something, you know, they... It probably set you right there as well, also with a huge, huge discount. Claimed. <laughs> and you can claim it too at DCBService.com. So, gentlemen, with that out of the way, what are your Buster ratings for this week's episode? 
our penultimate episode of season four. I um I give it a solid uh, three point five busters. I think the episode is a lot of it's a lot of table setting. Overall, it's a lot of moving the puzzle pieces around the game board to get us to where we need to be for the next episode, which I'm sure will have lots of things going on. But at the same time, uh, you know, nitpicks aside, I I like I continue to like Abraham a lot. I like they expanded his character. Eugene, I actually liked as well. Um, his odd delivery works for me, and um, I like the expansion of the Joe character. And um, of course, we have you know our regulars, Daryl and everybody else and they're you know consistent as always but yeah it's mostly you know this is a big setup for what's coming next week which is kind of different i was i was looking at the other episodes of penultimate episodes of the season a lot of big things happen in the you know episode nines of the walking dead like shane died in the 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 penultimate episode of season two and i think merle i think merle died in the penultimate episode of season three so like you know it's a little bit of a change this time around i give it a 3.5 as well this is mostly connective tissue this episode uh, getting the gang back together, uh, finally reaching Terminus. Uh, it didn't seem like, it, it, like I said, it just seemed like a lot of uh, plot machinations moving on to the next big big payoff or next big thing. So um, there were a few cool uh, um, character moments here and there. I love the stuff with Abraham and Eugene. Uh, but overall, and the, the whole Joe Pack, you know, wolf mentality was kind of uh, weird. You know, seeing Daryl kind of succumb to that. But um, 3.5 for me, just because, like I said, it's, it just seemed... Aaron put it really well. That the, the pieces are in motion, and like getting set up for the final, you know, for the season finale. So it was a lot of filler, but no killer. I'll go a little bit higher than that. I'll give you a 3.75 for this week's episode. Uh, I, I agree. Table setting, absolutely getting the pieces where it needs to go. But I thought done really well. I, I also really loved all of the Eugene and Abraham stuff. I even liked the Rosita stuff quite a bit. Um, and the Joe stuff was really interesting to me. Yes, Len was a creep and whatever, but Joe's character really intrigues me. I actually hope they don't kill him off next episode and that we can get some more of him next season because it, the whole scheme he's got going on is something a little bit different for the show, and, and that's always interesting as we go forward. So not a great episode, um, but solid. So 375. There were some cool Walker kills in this one. One in particular that I enjoyed at the very towards the beginning where... The walker and the, the walker kind of stumbles on Joe's camp, and it gets to the security fence, and then it like slices its whole like cheek open oh, on the yeah. on the barbed wire. Uh, yeah, I was gonna it, mention like, that too. That, that was, was pretty gnarly. Really, and pretty then black they, Dahlia he, zombie, you could call him exactly. And then, <laughs> the black Dahlia. And then he gets the bayonet out and takes him out, and then he promptly like pees on him. Like he's like, oh, but might as might as well do some morning business here. And that also works if you want to claim something. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was thinking of the rabbits. Okay, move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to eat those. I mean, I guess the, the fire will get rid of the uric acid, but whatever. That's beside the point. Uh, Jim, what did our listeners on our Walking Dead TV Facebook group think of this week's episode? Well, we have quite an active and fun Facebook group on on the Facebooks. Uh, that's where a good pl- a good number of Facebook groups happen to be. And, uh, <laughs> almost 100% of them oddly almost enough. all of them are there uh, it's the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group and uh, we we post a lot of fun stuff there a lot of news, there's a lot of good discussion of the uh, the episodes as they come out so by all means uh, join us there and uh, join in on the fun uh, our our listeners were mostly favorable Not a, a, lot, of, a lot of lukewarm uh, re- reception uh, much like uh, uh, our assessment, uh, Susan Monk, 89 out of 127 hours, which is equivalent to 3.5 out of 5. Claimed. That made me laugh. Oh, that made me laugh. Claimed rabbit parts. <laughs> that, was, that was good. 
Um, also, how much ammunition are these people carrying around? <laughs> I like that. Uh, Mike Jones, five minivans out of five. God, thank God the whole crew is back to fix the mess from the last few weeks. Bonus buster for no Judith. Yeah, Mike Jones just has it out for Judith. What should ever do to him? He I hates all know. small children. So do I, but I don't have a problem with this one yet. I'm sure she'll get there, but let her at least earn it. <laughs> it's quite annoyed him yet, right? Uh, Everard Santa Maria is going to go 3.25 out of 5 cement cave-ins caused by gunshots? Question mark. <laughs> this episode, except for learning the code of Jonas Group, seemed way too Hollywood for what we like about the show. Hmm. I, 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 if, if you mean by Hollywood, like superficial and not, not as well written as some of the other episodes, I guess I would have to agree. Uh, Sarian Howard, four out of five severed rabbits. What does this show have against bunnies? I don't know. Uh, Craig DeMunda, 3.0 X Star Trek actor, actors out of five, Cobra, and now Crosby. Uh, what a waste of episodes this has been. Ooh, all roads lead to Terminus. Uh, season four, the end can't come soon enough. Uh, 2.5 out of 5 large chunks of meat on the grill from Leo Cavalla. I didn't exactly like this episode. Nothing major happened except Glad and Mega Reunion, which I think was executed poorly. Uh, Philip Hurd gives us 3.5 T-Dogs. Uh, did the Lady of Terminus have that book from the Twilight Zone to serve man? Uh, good reference there, Philip. I got it. Uh, Tr- Trisha Terrell Collins, 3 out of 5. Let's go to DC for this week's episode. I couldn't keep up with the intense drama of last week, of course, and the happy Glenn reunited with Nagy seems so implausible to have the two combined groups suddenly appear and rescue Glenn and Tara at the end of the tunnel. Loving Eugene, though. Why uh, did that seem implausible? I'm I, curious. I, I'd say all the, pieces, all the pieces were set up pretty carefully. Yeah, I mean, everybody was headed to the same place. So I didn't, I and didn't we knew know. they were right behind him because the sign was still wet, so I don't know. That, that of all the things you could nitpick, it didn't bother me. Uh, Daryl Taylor of the Taylor Network of Podcasts. Uh, of which I, I'm a collaborator as well. Because uh, I give this three out of five. Claim it already. This episode was okay. I was getting bored with the Glenn and Maggie storyline. I'm ready to see what the deal is with Terminus. I'm sure a lot of us are, Daryl. Uh, has our next three really questionable decisions out of five. Thank you. I'm glad I wasn't the only one. Uh, Terry Bernard, I enjoyed the episode. I gave it a 3.75. I think with a show like this, we have to expect the worst with Terminus. Gee, you think? <laughs> Uh, Merrick Terpetia, three, it's going to taste like chicken out of five. <laughs> um, this episode did very little for me. Uh, Samantha Joppy uh, gives it four claims out of five. Things are perfectly set up for the finale now. Uh, Michael Santana, four, Tasha Yar, welcome wagons out of five. Uh, plate of mystery meat, yes please. <laughs> uh, Shalom Bensavega, uh, ben four, haunted house hallway, hypnotizing hooters out of five. Wow. Yeah, that's the most alliterative I think we get this week. Uh, Christine Webb, two and a half out of five. Who gives a crap about video games and carry Eugene? Hmm. I don't know. I kind of like Eugene. I, like I kind of like video games. I like video games even more than I like Eugene. Uh, Burnt Jones, 4.5. Beth, it's what's for dinner out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to shout out Brad Milo, who said his daughter made the same claim that uh, that might be what's on the barbecue. at Terminus might be Beth. Beth, it's the other, other, other white meat. It's a B, 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 Q. The extra B is for Beth. <laughs> Tom Bono, four out of five plates of whatever Murray is serving up. Ew. Uh, Max Silver, four out of five outdoor cats. I don't just think Terminus is a trap. I think everything we've ever seen this half season has been a trap. The funeral home was the obvious one, but look at how most cars are gone in the few that don't have gas. 
except for the magic fan, even the ones in the garage, and how easy shelter is to come by on this path. Um, uh, that's a point. Maybe you know the the seated, sub, you know, the, for the maximum uh, traffic flow there. It's an interesting theory. Three out of five zombie zombie diplodocus from Ian Timms. Try making a point and shoot zombie dinosaur game for iPad. <laughs> More Eugene. Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington. I give this episode four and a half rabbits out of five. Uh, building up to a big finish. Terminus doesn't look too welcoming. <laughs> Going to be interesting when Daryl's new buddies meet up with Rick. Yeah, I should think so. Adam Fatah gives it, gives it uh, episode three out of five. Ignore the sign saying lower your weapons. Yeah, they did kind of ignore that as they walked in. Uh, again, if you want to join in on the fun, the discussion, uh, we have a lot of cool um, uh, people who like to post quite often on the uh, on the uh, the site. There, it's the uh, the Facebook group is the Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group, and please join us. Yes, indeedy. So, do we have anything before we go into our spoiler slash uh, season finale speculation section? There's some alliteration for you, uh, gentlemen. I, I am quite excited for the finale just because it'll be nice to have a, a perspective on where this has all led to and be able to kind of assess the season based on that. And, um, you know, at the for the time being, while I've had gripes with various episodes throughout this kind of second half of the season, I have appreciated this new dynamic of, like, let's focus on different people for different episodes at a time. And has it affected the pacing? Sure. But I like seeing a show take chances like this as opposed to giving me the same thing week after week. So I'm hoping to see it wrapped up in a way that makes me even more satisfied with what they were going for all along. Very cool. So that's it for this week's episode, of course, like we said, except for the speculation and spoilers at the end. So if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, just like Craig did, you can do so in two ways. You can send us a voicemail through the uh, voicemail line at 972-798-3830. That's 972-798-3830. Or you can send us a regular email or record an MP3 and send it to comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Check out hhwlod.com and walkingdeadtv.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, The Long Box of Doom, The Black Box, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, Jersey Shore, Icapod, Cranecast, Shaken Not Stirred, our brand new James Bond podcast, the Shield, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. There's a ton of stuff there. You should check it out. Ooh, ooh. Um, I was at Paley Fest this week uh, for Sleepy Hollow, and um, I got to... Uh attend the Sleepy Hollow panel, and of course I do the Ichapod Cranecast, and I recorded the entire Paley Fest panel audio, and that's posted right now as uh, our newest episode of the Ichapod Cranecast, for those that are fans of the show Sleepy Hollow. I'm always a little disappointed that Paley Fest is not a convention of paleontologists. I was the first time, but I've gotten over it, you know. <laughs> or maybe a convention of albinos. <laughs> is there a famous albino named Paley? Oh, Paley, oh, gotcha, gotcha. That's all, folks. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter as well for even more albino puns, probably at some point. At WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey. Aaron is at Aaron's PS4. And Jim is at Yoda Jones. And so until there's no more room left in hell and a dead walk the earth, remember there's no us in team. Have a good week, everybody. The team is spelled meat. Oh, I don't, okay. <laughs> there is meat in team, though. And next week on The Walking Dead, spoilers, spoilers, if you don't want to know anything about it, tune out now. The episode is entitled A, which is why I say that this week's episode could be titled Us, 
or it could be titled U.S., uh, especially because we know that uh, Eugene and his crew are interested in saving the country and the world by getting to D.C. with their prospective cure. But next week's episode, 416, is titled A, and the very brief synopsis we have from AMC is, Rick comes face-to-face with sheer brutality when multiple paths collide. I think we could have guessed that. But let's go into some speculation now, gentlemen. We've gotten a Terminus. We've seen it. We've smelled the flowers. We've smelled the barbecue. We've seen the creepy lady. What are we thinking? I I mean, obviously I'm already creeped out by the very notion of this place and what if what I've seen of it so far but and I know uh Brad uh, agrees with me on this one I'm kind of thinking they're cannibals that's that's the only thing that seems logical to me <laughs> and there's been precedent in in zombie fiction before including the walking dead comics and the walking dead video games uh you know it's it's a very real fear especially if you've seen the road well I mean it's not too far from uh, a storyline that was in the comics I mean if kind of rework it or whatever the same kind of thing um, happened in the books, so I mean it wouldn't be too far out of place, you know, for it to show up here on the show as well. For sure. Yeah, other other white meat. Yeah, I mean I have nothing to base that off really, besides just like speculation. So I can't say I'm like for sure. And of course there could be other there could be other things that make this place threatening as well. But allergies I mean, for one. There's allergies, a lot of flowers. Yeah, a lot of flowers. I mean, but that's one thing we haven't seen so far on the show. And if we are, we've already gone down a pretty dark road this season anyway. So, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them to say, Oh yeah. Also there's people that eat people, but yeah, I mean, we, a lot of us, I know a lot of, some people thought that the, uh, the hunter or whatever, the, um, Joe and the gang might've been a part of terminus all along. And obviously that's not true anymore, but who, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of potential here, but I just don't see it going anywhere. That's sunny and happy. Do we think the crew that made it to terminus in this week's episode was the first of our cast to get there? Maybe Beth. I, Beth, you got Rick, Carl, and Michonne. I mean, I, I don't think Daryl, presumably far behind them, but I, yeah, I'd say Rick and Daryl are still far off, or not far off, but you know, not there. I wouldn't be surprised if Carol and Tyrese may have made it there, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if um, Beth has been there. Fresh delivered from the back of the trunk of a car to you, straight <laughs> to the grill. Our best to your family. Order online. <laughs> so we have any other speculation we want to put in before we end it? Do you, do you, who do you think is going to die? Oh, God. Um, yeah, that's definitely the question. I mean, it is the uh, season finale, and it is traditional that somebody gets killed. I'd be annoyed, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bob died, uh, sacrificing himself perhaps, something like that. Um, no, you don't think all this happiness between uh, Glenn and Maggie speaks of one of them dying? Um, I, Especially with him burning the picture and everything. Maggie's lack of regard for her sister, who's also gone, seems a little disar- disalarming for me. He's like, oh yeah, where's Beth? I should be worried about that too. But I wouldn't be surprised if one of the um, the green girls got it next week. But I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know what, who of this main... I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it, if, if anything, it'd be, it'd be Sasha or Bob or one of these... Ter- to, to, Periphery character, not per- is there some more supporting characters than some of the main cast? I don't really see any of the main cast dying. Was the word you're looking for tertiary? Yes, I was trying to think of tertiary. <laughs> it's a fun word. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I could see Bob, Sasha, uh, I could see Beth or Maggie, uh, or maybe Glenn, uh, but I don't know about that. I could see, I could see Rosita possibly, but I don't. I feel like if they were going to kill her off, they would have given her a little bit more to do at this point. Yeah. Um, you've got all of, I, I'd assume most of Joe's guys die, whether or not he dies or not. I'd assume there's other red shirts at Terminus 
Um, it is weird that we only saw one person, but I'm going to assume there is at least some type of group there, because um, otherwise, why cook a barbecue if there aren't people to eat it? Um, I'd assume plenty of them could die. I, I don't see Rick dying or Michonne. Maybe Carl? It would be certainly surprising. Yeah, it would be. My thought on that is, if anything, if Joe survives next week, I feel like he could potentially kidnap Carl and take him with him. That could be interesting. Joe and Carl on the road? Yeah. Ooh, I, I would totally watch that show. That could be the spinoff right there. <laughs> the Joe and Carl hour. <laughs> um, something I wanted to mention real quick since we're in the spoiler department, and uh, it was news this week that I re- that I'd read that they're going to they want to uh, shop The Walking Dead around for syndication. Yeah. Uh, by editing it down for, you know, uh, consumption on broadcast and, and Didn't TBS TV. or somebody get the rights? Somebody like TBS or something? Or USA, maybe? I thought it was like a Fox station or something. Yeah. Oh, thought, yeah, maybe it was Fox. Well, I thought, they, I thought it was like a group of Fox affiliates. Yeah, that's what I mean, an affiliate of Fox. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Actual Fox networks, um, not just owned by the company. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fairly standard for, for stuff like this. Popular show that's going to keep having new episodes to I make just, it work. I, I, I just remember uh, The Sopranos on A&E. <laughs> yeah, that that was. And yeah, like, I'm just. I mean, how are they going to show the Grove on like that episode on broadcast? I mean, they're just going to show the first 15 minutes and then, you know, good night, everybody. And... Yeah, really, the biggest thing they're going to have to cut out is the S word. That's the thing they're going to have to cut out the most. Some of the blood, and even beyond that, if you've ever seen any episode of CSI or Law and Order, it's not that far beyond the pale. Criminal Minds is like the worst one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, that's exactly what I think too. It's just a matter of. They're not going to change the, you know, the str- the content of plot based on like this is what we deem inappropriate. They're just going to content. They're going to take things out based on content of violence and language and whatnot. Which you know, you'll see less decapitations, probably that kind of stuff. But you know, yeah, good for the show. Yeah, syndication, make more T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Claimed. Get to see all new promos for episodes you've already seen. And some of those syndication promos are very funny. Oh, yeah. If it goes Fox Family style, it'd be like, <laughs> oh, my God. This week on The Walking Dead, Rick and Carl. <laughs> Shane has eyes for Lori. But wait, Carl also has to deal with... <laughs> Carl also has eyes for Lori? What? <laughs> hey, wait a minute. That's not a cheeseburger. Not <laughs> one. <laughs> The gang looks for Merle, but little do they know, Merle slipped away, but he left a little friend behind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, Bloaty fell down a well again. I think at this point it's clear we have lost our minds, so it's time to send it on home. Have a good week, everybody, and we'll join you next week, maybe a day or so late, just so we can get as many people on as possible for our discussion of the season finale. Have a good one. Claimed. Claimed.